0: And here we are for part two with my conversation here on Rational in Portland with Eric Post. Eric Post is on TikTok at all allamericandad111. He has 353.4 thousand followers on TikTok with 3.5 million likes on his TikTok post. So go back and listen to part one if you haven't heard part one yet because this is part two. So go and download part one on our show, Rational in Portland, part one of our interview with Eric Post, because you won't want to miss the lead up to this portion of our conversation. This guy is so fascinating. He was on Tony Robbins' private island. He knows Tony Robbins. He's a motivational speaker. He's a documentary filmmaker coming out with a documentary about the George Floyd civil unrest called Revelations in Tear Gas. This is part two with my interview with Eric Post. If you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to that first because that provides you with a lot of context for this conversation. Here's the rest of my interview with Eric Post.
1: So what happened was, obviously when George Floyd splashed all of the news, um, Portland erupted, you know? And uh, I'm pretty um, in the middle with a lot of things. So for instance, I have, a bunch of friends who are Portland police officers, um, but I'm also really visible in the schools and you know do some of the leadership training. I've done leadership training statewide for high schools, or I speak at assemblies, or you know go to field trips. For first like six years in a row, I DJed the elementary school dance just because I love kids. You know, I coach soccer, football, basketball. You know, everything at all and levels this is Portland in public. Uh, North Clackamas School District, mostly North
0: Clackamas. Got it.
1: Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Portland, out here Houston. in Happy Valley, Clackamas. Yeah. Yeah, but then the state level thing started happening because I was doing these youth town halls for the city of Happy Valley. So we'd have like 200 kids to talk to when I say kids, young adults, they're high school students to come into a room. And I was the only adult allowed in the room and I would just help moderate a discussion. So the kids were able to share what their deepest, darkest concerns or worries are. And then we'd be able to package that and take it to the city and then be able to come up with programs for funding that would that would do actual things that would help. Students and, and kids in our community It was amazing, and that grew to the state level. I did a couple of years at the state capital for all the states or all the high schools across the state. So, so my point is with that that I that I have this that I that I have my fingers in a lot of different sort of communities, and I don't I, I don't join groups generally. I'll speak at groups or I'll, I'll I'll you know learn and grow the group. But I but groups to me get twisted and hijacked and manipulated. So I try not to just attach myself to a group, whether it's a political party or a social club or anything like that. I, I enjoy them, but, you know, tribalism is our default and, and tribes get hijacked and twisted. So I try to stay away generally, but I have a very diverse group of people. So I was really torn at this kicked off. My daughter, you know, wanted to go to for a peace march. I was here in Happy Valley for Black Lives Matter. Some of her friends, uh, uh, students of color that I would coached and been in the schools with, i was like, heck yeah, let's go do this thing. And at the same time, I was getting calls from my police friends and wives of police officers saying, oh, my God, we're being attacked and I'm being doxxed and they're threatening to burn my house down, right, with my children inside because we're a family of police officers. And, and then over here, I'm hearing these tragic stories of, of racism, right? So I was torn between, like, these two worlds of, like, these people aren't being heard or don't feel like they're being heard. These people are now being attacked and yet they're not the bad people either. So what the fuck's going on, Right. So I, I was getting incredibly frustrated with just the incredible dis, discriminant violence that was happening. And I thought the purity of the discussions that needed to be happening were being drowned out in violence and in, in, in indulgence that was allowed because the environment of being locked down from the, from the pandemic and people were feeling frustrated and unheard. And now they had this excuse to go out and do these things. And I was like, but hold on, you have lost the moment of like really hearing some things that need to be talked about. And it just got wildly out of control in my, in my view, right. In my view. So i was like, well, what can I do? So I would go down there every night and I would start walking the line between the, by myself, I was walking the line between the protesters and the police officers. I'm like, how can I bridge a gap of communication to keep it from going violent this night? Can, can I help them feel like they're being heard? Or can I help the cops from not getting Molotov cocktails thrown at them? And I was just so like, what can I do went
0: downtown in the middle of every August? night? Every yeah, every night. I was watching hundred plus
1: nights. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, I actually wow. went to over. I went to over two hundred riots across the country. All right.
0: Did you really? So, okay, I can't wait to yeah. hear about
1: this. So that's how it started, and then I start, and then I would just be down there to learn. So I'd go to some of these rallies just to hear what people of Black Lives Matter were saying just just to be curious about. Like maybe I didn't know something that I could learn. So I was there. But I'd be standing there, like, just listening, and i get surrounded by Antifa. They're like, you're a cop. Let, let, let's roast you, piggy, piggy. We're going to beat the shit out of you. I'm like, guys, I'm not, I'm not a cop. I'm literally just to here to listen, to learn. You're, and then they come around with me, baseball bats. And so it became this whole thing, it, you know, and, and I started getting kind of discouraged by this. Not too much. Um, you know, not too much. I, 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 I didn't that have they the were intent going to
0: like use a bat on you. I mean, do you think that that was a real possibility? Because I, I mean, I've worked downtown for nearly 20 years and that time period, it's just gotten scarier. But that time period when I worked downtown was one of the scary, I, it was the scariest time period I have. Ever, I mean, I'm a third generation Portlander. It was the scariest time period I've ever worked downtown. I watched people beaten to a pulp, in broad daylight while i was walking to my boarded up bank from my office like three blocks and i don't i wasn't down where the riots were happening i mean all this garbage from the media about oh it's only a few blocks and otherwise portland is great that was that felt gaslighting that was not my experience my experience was it was everywhere. In fact, it was every in every quadrant of the city. It was in my neighborhood, marching up and down the streets, late at night, knocking on doors, screaming, banging on windows, out of your houses, into the streets. It was just so stressful and disruptive. And the kind of stuff I saw when I was downtown, I watched a guy right next to me. I mean, a blood splatter landed on my shoe. I was this was the bank story. I was walking to the bank to deal with some stuff with one one of my client's trust accounts as I do quite frequently. And I like to do it in person. And um, it was all boarded up. And a security guard unlocked the door and let me in. And then I was, which in and of itself was bizarre and scary and post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic. And then I was walking out back to my office and a guy started running towards me really quickly uh, you know they're all to me these people are all the same they're usually men a fair amount of them are i guess are women but generally you engage in this kind of stuff there was one woman involved in this it was a guy they, they all seem to be between the ages of like maybe 15 16 and uh at the mm-hmm. most 30 although you get some older ones thrown in there but it, but a lot of times those people are homeless or just like mentally ill or on drugs uh so younger and um not um uh, <laughs> the presentation is scruffy. It's a scruffy <laughs> It's a scruffy presentation. Sure. It's usually a black sweatshirt, hoodie up, kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. and uh, sure. the, the, it was a gal and two guys, and a guy is running in front of them, and he runs right past me, and then he stops to the right of me. And I just kind of froze because I didn't i I couldn't continue to walk forward. I couldn't walk around them because I would have been walking into the street um, which was busy. And so I attempted to walk around the guy who would walk just past me. And as I was walking around him, the two men and this woman came up to him and started beating him with skateboards. And they beat him so badly that he collapsed and blood landed on my shoe. And I was running as I was worried I was going to get hit. I was running as fast as I could down the street. Um, And then a a guy who was, seemed capable and able to handle himself, who was across the street, screamed, I'm going to call 911. And so I was like, okay, good, that's handled. And I'm just not, I'm just going to run back to my office and shut the door. And that was just one example. I mean, many things like that happened, and I don't know if this happened to you, But when I would relay that story to people who were not coming downtown, this was broad daylight, this is like 11 a.m., people who were not coming downtown and people who were working, the Zoomers, working from home, whatever, um, and particularly my, and I'm a Democrat, I've never voted Republican in my life and I I would probably would have considered myself very far left wing, not Antifa, but more uh, Kamala Harris, today kind of a not as a prosecutor in california but today it's kind of a democrat yeah. um maybe like a i don't i wouldn't consider aoc like sarah e on her own antifa type or anything but i was probably more mm. like an aoc and um and i would tell people that that how horrified i was but what i was seeing in downtown and, and and i would lead by saying downtown is very unsafe right now and they would say they would look at me incredulously and go what do you mean by unsafe And, and just that question alone, I felt so gaslit by that, like that Mm -hmm. there was skepticism about the story I was Mm -hmm. about to tell them. And usually I wouldn't even lead into it. I just, I just go, don't need to talk to this person again, because they're completely Mm -hmm. incurious about what this, what just happened. Um, what I just Mm -hmm. witnessed, what will stay with me for, I mean, numerous stuff like that, running, running, Um, I was taking some, I was doing some film, taking some pictures so I could send it to people because nobody believed me about what was going on in broad daylight. They believed the Nick Kristoff op-ed where he said, where are Trump's anarchists? And he said, it's really only happening within three blocks and it's only at night. And other than that, it's peaceful. And that was bullshit. And you know that, but that, you know that I'm preaching the choir, but I just want to be clear to everybody listening. That was bullshit. It was happening during, it was unsafe during the day. It was mayhem. I, my mother was raised in, in a family with two alcoholic brothers, drug, drug addiction. My sister's on drugs. She's homeless. I've seen a lot. My dad was homeless. I severely mentally ill. I've seen a lot. I never seen anything like this. I have never watched somebody Mm -hmm. be beaten close to death. Numerous people, numerous times. And I watched it over and over and, um, I was filming it, and to send to the police and so, uh, the um, another capable, very capable man who would look like a professional who was just trying to do his business. He was on the phone with 911, trying to get them out there. And then suddenly these kids saw me filming them and started screaming, you can't film, you can't film and started running across the street. And I had the camera going and I'm running and I'm realizing I'm, the camera's all jangly and I'm panting into the camera and I just turned it off. And, uh, was able to escape and get out of there, but it was, um, but I mean, they were coming after me and uh, they're always using skateboards for some reason. They had a skateboard raised and like, you know, ready to um, mm-hmm. take my head off with it. Really? I mean, I, I wouldn't have put it past him. You shouldn't have. Is that the so kind of stuff that you witnessed too?
1: Of course. So I'm, I'm hearing this and I'm, I'm, I, I go silent because I actually get really emotional when I talk about some of these things. Like I saw emotion well up in you and the same, you know, we have similar backgrounds and things. And like I said, I was in the Marines. I've seen plenty of, and I've, I've, I've also trained, I've boxed, I've been in mixed martial arts, I've trained martial arts, you know, for 30 plus years. And, you know, I know what violence looks like and doesn't look like. And I've been all over the world. I've been Africa and Europe, like I've been all over the world. And, and, but the, but the amount of hatred, like unadulterated, just pure hatred was palpable and slightly empathic in the terms of I just feel because I just watch everybody all the time. I can feel what they're feeling. And yeah, I did film. Just so you know, I mean, I was in LA, Seattle, Portland. I was in Kenosha. Wow. I was in Minneapolis for the George Floyd verdict and trial. I was in Washington, D.C. for January 6th. I was at the Capitol building steps filming on January 6th. I was there for election night. Yeah, this is on the documentary. No, not yet. It's in production now. Oh my,
0: and what will it? Do you know what it will be called so we can plug it? Or it's a, we Re, wait?
1: revelations in tear gas. Revelations, um, revelations in tier and gas? tear gas. Mm-hmm. So um, the idea I, of all is the things I that n- we can n- learn. A-N-D. I n
0: okay revelations in tear gas. Okay, folks, you heard it first. So revelations in yeah. tear gas. So when can we expect this to come out? Do you think? P-
1: probably in four months, and I'll wow. explain why it's been such a long project. Um, but to get evolving, to it but I, right? I,
0: I mean we just had the Rittenhouse verdict not it long did. ago
1: it did but I just I want to pause and recognize you know the things that you felt and you heard and you saw are not just kind of real but were reality for a lot of people for a really long time for you know about a year and a half in Portland it was like that and people don't understand that and so when it start, first started kicking off I was like well I'm just not gonna watch the news I'm actually gonna go down there so but I, that's why I went down there the first night but then when I went down there I was like Wow, it's way different than what's being shown. I'm going to keep going down here so I can understand it. And only if I can understand it, then maybe I can help in somehow. So that's why I started going down there. And through the restaurant as well, I was feeding first responders. I was feeding nurses. We're doing hundreds of meals every week to the hospitals to feed nurses and doctors and first responders. And then I wanted to feed the police officers as I started dealing with the riot. And my partner at the time in the restaurant was like, we're not feeding cops. We're in Portland. We'll lose 80% of our business if they find out we're feeding cops. And I'm like, well, then fuck all our customers then. I was like, no, then I'll I'll fucking shut this restaurant down. We don't politicize healthy food, nutritional food. We are here to make people feel better from the inside out. I don't care who they are, what they are. I'm not asking who they vote for when they walk in these doors. We're feeding everybody that needs to be fed right now. So that's actually why I closed the restaurant originally was a fallout with the partner realizing that he was going to discriminate who we fed as a result of the current politics in Portland. I was so like, that's just not how I play. Didn't
0: want to feed the cops because the partner Correct. was worried that the loudest voices in the room would, that that wouldn't be consistent with the loudest voices in the room. And then they wouldn't that, show up to, but eat I them.
1: also, but also, but I also found out that was also a scapegoat because he also believed that way as well. So he blamed the business, but then after a few more discussions, I realized that he actually was anti-police anarchist, you know, far leftist, which, which I wouldn't normally care about. Oh, like oh. My, my employees that I employ, like I'm a, I'm a pretty conservative guy The way people would label me. I hate that label, but that's how I would get labeled. And I, which I cringe at all these labels, but all of my employees were the completely opposite. I mean, we had people with buttons with their pronouns, preferred pronouns, everything. And I was like, I encouraged all of that, all of that. Like, I believe that people's Like if I'm patriotic, if I say I'm fucking patriotic, then I better understand that America is a wildly diverse, incredibly huge melting pot of all these different beliefs and and ideologies and ways of living. And how so if cool I want my country, they
0: can do that, right? That they can identify in that beautiful. way and walk down the street yeah. in that way, and nobody beats the shit out of them, and nobody, I, um, I nobody throws them off a building. They're they're not. They don't live in ISIS territory. They can hold hands. They can call themselves yeah. whatever they want, and they're not like they're not handcuffed and thrown into the back of a car. I mean, they can be who they want to be, which is cool.
1: Which is cool, and I and as a marine, like I, have, I would fight for them to be able to have that right and that beauty. The problem is that wasn't reciprocated. No, it was <laughs> it, not. I, I was the devil at that yes. moment because you I held a white my beliefs.
0: Racist, I bet. I'm sure you were yeah. called a racist.
1: Of course, I, I, I'm a white guy with a beard. Yeah. You know, like come on, it, it, it and that I have American flag in front of my house. Of course, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's not true, but. And so they try, so of course, and they would try and, you know, they'd, they'd try and post fake reviews on my restaurant, my other businesses, and call the real estate company and say I'm a white supremacist, I should be fired, it was like, well, whatever. Oh, wow. so you, they, like, you doxed can't. you? Oh, I'd get death threats, he, I had, oh. Who was doing you,
0: this? Who was, do- was this? Antifa.
1: It was. Antifa, And how did sure. they
0: find you? How did they well, know it Well, invisible. How did they know it was you, well, then,
1: then, then what happened is on the fourth of July in twenty twenty, when things are just really crazy, I got fed up and I went downtown and I put American flag on the elk. <laughs> Remember the elk wow. statue? Oh yeah, that was right there. That was being burned, and so I, I was like, past "Fuck I his this.
0: corpse every day on the my yeah the little pedestal it used to be on on the way to my office next to all the these. God awful encampments filled with garbage and needles and whatever. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, it, it's an apocalypse it, downtown.
1: It had been 35, 36 days at that point. I was, I was there July 3rd and July, and you, th- I'm sorry, 2nd you and 3rd. put
0: an American flag on the elk in front of all these I, people?
1: Yeah, I stood, I stood right there, climbed on top of that motherfucker and put a flag there and, and stood up and gave a speech and, That's and funny. I didn't give a speech yeah, absolutely. It went crazy. It was actually the first viral video on TikTok, and I wasn't—I didn't even have an account. Like, oh, yeah, I guess it went crazy on TikTok. Is. People that were there. Like people Indian that were there. people, or Both. people. You know, one, of the, one of the journalists was there. He was streaming for the day. Oh, there boy. was um, two or three people heard because I posted on my social media that morning. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go down and put this, put this flag there, not to, not to disrespect okay. anybody, but to ask people to pause, and let's actually have, like, my, my, my speech at the time was, instead of being chest to chest, shouting at each other, let's go shoulder to shoulder and, and talk about the problem. And if we have a problem with police brutality or racism or abuse of power, then we need to work on this together. We just can't be fighting with each other. A hundred percent. So that's what I went down there. I went down there knowing it was dangerous. And I was like, but this is a, this is a, this is an example of if putting an American flag in American city on the 4th of July is dangerous and controversial and the systems fucking broken. And I wanted to prove that. Right. Okay, okay, and so I, what I did. Happened next? I mean did they yeah, so did, did they rush
0: you did they take the flag down burn yeah, it I was
1: being – you I, I can extend the videos that, that people posted you can see I'm being yelled at and, and stuff like that as the an elk and I'm and I'm, I'm I'm taping the fucker right there and I and I sat down and I was willing to talk to anybody and and I did and, but I don't have an I wasn't there to prove anybody wrong I wasn't there to be confrontational I was there to be visible and seen and then that would give me a gateway to have a conversation but And it give so you I did that a with what of have a
0: conversation or did they become physically yep. aggressive
1: both but that doesn't matter it doesn't matter That that's on them
0: how do you engage in a good conversation with somebody who's like menacing you
1: i have a i have a way of not i'm not s- being impacted quality? what do you do sure yeah very much so absolutely okay i need to you know they know <laughs> some, somebody somebody can feel if you're there to win you know and if i'm there to argue or if i'm there to bait you can feel that you can see it in my right you can see it in your body language they can punch themselves out on me, both physically and, and emotionally or, or verbally. It has zero impact of what I'm trying to accomplish. So you're like, I want them to I'm feel not her.
0: some wackadoo, patriot prayer, proud boy guy. I'm a dad. Right. I'm pro-BLM. Exactly. My daughter wants to organize these BLM marches in our town. I'm doing it. I am engaged with these people of color in my community and trying to support them and trying to understand and I absolutely understand the outrage of this murder of this man by a police officer there is a clear power imbalance there and a racial imbalance that I accept and I understand but what's going on here is not the correct response and I want to have a conversation about it and let's chat as opposed to hey I'm a fucking proud boy and I'm going to put a flag right. on this and go F yourself. Like it's, this is more like, well, you don't disagree. Why don't we chat about it?
1: it? It all goes back to my, my very deep rooted position of, I don't need anybody else to fail for me to succeed. So I wasn't there to make anybody else fail, Right. you know? Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't there to, to say this is wrong. I was there to ask them questions. What do you actually want? And maybe I can help you. Okay. And, so
0: tell me about this. So you're doing this and how is it going?
1: You know, and I knew that the flag was going to be burned when I left, um, which it was. And so I went back and I knew, so I left somebody there that was just watching and they were going to tell me when the flag was burning because I knew it wasn't going to be very long after I left. And it was 15, within 15 minutes, it was taken out and burned. Right. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go back the next day. I'm going to invite people to come back and hear me say a few words if they want to, if they want to hear me say a few words. And the old me would have gone back with another flag and planted it. Right. But then I know now I'm contributing to the noise. Now I'm contributing to the friction. I'm contributing to the confrontation. I didn't need to make another point. Yeah, they so I went back to them,
0: really, and and they all know them. that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it so that was out of alignment with who I, that. It's that aggressive. would have been in alignment with my ego. Yeah, totally, totally. But that doesn't do anything, right? That doesn't move the needle. That no, it so doesn't. I went back and I. I stood there and I collected the ashes and I don't know, uh, maybe 30, 40 people showed up to hear me say a few things. And at the time they had the flag, the the pro police back the blue flag waivers that were on one side of the street. Then you have the BLM during the day on the other side of the street. Right. And then there was all those confrontations. And I asked them not to come over and bring the American flag, not bring your back the blue flag, not bring anything over. Don't bring any flags over there. If you are going to come be part of what we're going to talk about we're not waving either BLM flags or American flags. We're there just to talk, have a civilized discussion. And so they did, they honored that nobody showed up with anything. And I gave a, a little presentation and we collected the flags. We picked up litter. Like we said, all right, what can we do just right now? Let's just pick, let's just start fucking picking up litter. So we started picking up litter and started being an example of like, what can we actually do that's productive, you know? And, so as a result of that, I started getting more press or more interested in what I was talking about. So I just, I decided to hold a peace rally downtown. So I held, I held a thing called That's Oregonians for Peace. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So I held a peace rally downtown and hundreds of people came and it was tough. You know, it was like, I was getting death threats and Antifa sent people from Seattle in the Bay Area to come. Yeah. They filled their buckets with piss and they felt, they sent their black block. And I'm like, and, and, I, and I invited them on stage. But on stage, I had, I had somebody that was that was a, a leader in the Black Lives Matter movement. I had myself. I had somebody else that was there that was a member of the business community. I had a woman of color there that had her, her business had been harassed. I gave I wanted to give a platform for – I wanted to be an example of how can we all speak together and we don't look the same, pray the same, vote the same. How can we do that? I wanted to be an example of that. That's, God,
0: that's brilliant. That's exactly what I'm trying to achieve with this podcast is like we have to talk to each other. It's amazing where you can find connectivity.
1: So as, as one-on-one, but the thing I learned, like I said, being in all these different groups, and so I was right, so part of my project, all up
0: there, which is amazing.
1: Of course, but that's in alignment with who I actually am. And so I wanted to also get people to say like, oh, he's not who I thought I was, you know? So here's, the, here's, let me give you another back As The part of the project I've sat down with the heads of Black Lives Matter, Brown Lives Matter, the Black Panthers, the Brown Panthers. I debated Kamal Bell for the show Shades of America for CNN for three fucking hours in the middle of downtown Portland. I I read Stamp from the beginning, White Fragility. Uh, Why didn't we write all all the books that the left were digesting? I read you know yeah, the stuff from Jonathan Haidt, yeah. The Righteous sure. Mind, and Cups, yeah, that's a great because I want to understand it all, right? And then you can't debate somebody if you don't understand their position. That's right. You know, so you can't. Discuss. So I did. I digested all of it. I watched all the documentaries that I could find. I studied Malcolm X. I studied Angela Davis. I studied uh, MLK. I studied the, the, the movement of the civil rights yep. movement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, all of them, and and study them with with curiosity, not to prove them right or wrong, but right. with curiosity right. just and open just,
0: mind. Cur- just what 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 are they saying? And maybe there are some issues in which I'll be persuaded, or maybe I'll be persuaded entirely. I mean, I just if you're a curious yeah. person, there's so much you can learn.
1: Well, being down at the riots enough to know that I was surrounded essentially by by tens of uh, by ten thousand biggest moments, but thousands of white liberals with a few black people in the crowd of Black Lives Matter movements, and they're on the microphone screaming about violence and things they want, and, and people of color over here are like, hold on, that's not what we want. They're like, shut the fuck up, you don't know. And I'm like, whoa, 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 you're wearing a BLM shirt and you're 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 yelling at black people, are saying that you're wrong. Like, what's going on here? So, isn't that the definition I, of what, white supremacy? Oh, it's great. Or white privilege at the, at the least, that is right? That's so, anti racist. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and I hate to, de- because what I have understood now, because what, what I wanted to do is understand the psychology behind these things. If I can understand the psychology, then I could actually do something, I'd be more effective about it. So, what I have understood about generally people on the left, especially these movements, they just need a villain. And the bigger the yeah, villain, that's right. the, more, the more they mean, the more they matter, the more significance they have and yet the villain can't be clearly defined because if you clearly define it that means you can beat him and then if you beat him then you're left emotionally unsatisfied so it's a, it's a wild it's a wild trip to have these conversations and to, and to uncover the things that they find and hold dear that they want to fix they will never come to a logical conclusion of how you can fix it and what it actually is because then they don't have a they don't have any purpose so if you study viktor frankl or if you study peter gray you start to understand how people find a lot of meaning through suffering and in our country, we have it really good. So the suffering might even be theirs. They can attach suffering and adopt suffering of somebody else or something else <laughs> and integrate it into their world. And then when they do that, they have a lot of meaning and the bigger suffering or perceived suffering, the more they, they matter. And you saw that in the streets. You saw that in these chants. You saw that in these riots. You saw that they really wanted to do something. So so the the energy behind wanting to do something good, I love, but when it's, when it's manufactured, I don't love. Right. Then it's not productive anymore. And, and then when you take the people that you're, you say that you stand for, you say you're trying to help and you shush them and, 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 and you start speaking on their behalf. it now, now you've gone too far, right. From, from the state of doing anything good for our society. So that's, these are just the things I've learned. And I'm way wildly simplifying these things. But when you, when I attended 214 of these and I'm filming, Right. And I'm undercover some nights. I'm I'm integrated with these movements. I became friends with some of these people so I could have honest conversations with them. And we're filming. And I'm talking about even on the steps of the Capitol building, we're the only camera, big 6K camera that was allowed. We're right, you know, 10 feet from the fucking front door of this thing. Right. Filming. So, So did you
0: have a team
1: I, by this time?
0: How did this work?
1: Yeah. So so what happens when I did that peace rally, I was doing these interviews and this, and this guy, these two people came up to me and said, Hey, we want to interview you too. And I did like, two, you know, some local two sex and 12 news. And then I was doing some national news, um, just explaining what was going on in just my opinion. And these people came up and said, Hey, we want to interview you. we we might make a documentary about this. I'm like, all right. So we went and had like a three hour discussion the next day. And I ended up signing on as executive producer with these two people oh, wow. to make this movie called revelations and tear gas. And then we were just going to film in Portland and we realized this was much deeper than Portland. That's why we started traveling. So yeah, I went everywhere. Uh, Tell
0: me about when you had all these people up on stage. I mean, how did you find the reasonable people that you knew weren't like on, let's say on meth or you knew weren't militant to the point where they (laughs) were going to turn to somebody and like shoot them? I mean, because that was happening. I mean, we had a murder. Aaron
1: Danielson
0: was killed in Portland. So you know oh my God, you have to get into that. Mm-hmm. So how did you know who to pick to bring up on, on stage so that they wouldn't ruin this whole thing?
1: I wasn't worried about that because if I was if, if that was my goal then that was that was then it was my message, my okay. ego, my propaganda, my thing. So truly, I mean, I hope you gets a sense of who I actually am at my core. Like I don't pretend to want to control everything all the time. And if I do, but I'm, then I'm a manipulator. But I you know? mean,
0: you're taking a huge risk, right?
1: Because, That's okay.
0: Well, I, it's, okay. it's admirable. I don't think most people would become, obviously you're capable and you're a bigger guy who can handle himself, but I certainly would not feel comfortable.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't, well. I didn't have to, I had, I had a team of six Navy SEALs that were undercover that were acted as my security. Okay. I had, I had 14 <laughs> army Rangers and Marines. <laughs> That were there. I, I had gotcha. twenty. So it
0: was just sort of like going to unfold, how they'll unfold, and these guys are going to help me exit stage left if that's what happens. Like when Ted Wheeler
1: my friends and family and were going to fill up,
0: gas me, Teddy, and booing him, and he did get tear gassed, and like that was not going to happen to you.
1: No, I was there that night too. I saw you know, and I, I interviewed. Joanne, wow. We were in Joan Hardesty's apartment interviewing her. I mean, we've interviewed everybody. I sat with the heads of police of Portland, Seattle, L.A., D.C., the police chiefs. I've that literally said. We, I mean, we met with Spike Moss. We got in. We got it, and my team filmed and got into the Dante Wright wake, you know that wow. they had that they had his after Dante Wright's murder in Minneapolis. I mean, we we were with Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton in, in a room, you know, talking about the project and oh, he, you know. So when I say us. the, yeah, I've gone super fucking deep here. I and I funded it personally for myself by myself the whole time. Um, And we funded it internally because I didn't want to take money from Netflix or Sony or HBO or an investor that wanted to have a hand in the story. So it's going to be it's going to make some of the stuff in this movie are going to make me really uncomfortable because there are things I don't believe in or agree with. But it is the truth. It is a truth. It's a version. So it's got to be in there. Yeah. So it's going to make everybody uncomfortable. I Um, I think that's not. And not to make anybody a villain or a hero, just it should challenge the way you think because the way we think is only a version of what's reality. So it it, it really the story is about the fallibility of mankind. It's not about Black Lives Matter. It's not about police brutality. It's not about George Floyd. It ends up being the exploration of the human experience and how in, how fallible we are. And what you said what you said earlier about people being beautiful and common and you know having things in common. I found that to be true one on one, but in groups, no, no, the madness takes over in a group, and it tried, and then they become unreasonable, and it um, does. that's the and, challenge. And
0: uh, it takes over in a group. It's very scary. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes violent really quick. For instance, the Danielson murder. Tell me about that. You were there for that.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you got to remember. So after a few nights, I start to understand the, the flow of things, and and I understand, you know. Uh, handle a group or in a, in a, in a people, you know, to handle a mission, let's say to not to sound all whatever, but you know, we were, I make sure we wore bulletproof vests. We wore step. I mean, we were shot at stabbed. Stab. I was hit with bats multiple times. I mean, we were you know, we had gas masks, we had helmets, we had pads, you know, there were certain times where I did have security that would help us. But then after I started to get to know the flow and who people were down there, I would do security and kind of the point person and I had a camera, Man, the director, and then we had our audio. Uh, she was on so there. Was it was basically three of us at all these in all these towns filming, and we all had different personalities. So we put it together. The director is a is a immigrant. You know, he's not even a citizen of this country. the The production manager, she's she's as far on the left as I am on the right. Right. We had a very balanced team on purpose to kind of check our biases and check our thoughts and check our conversations with people and the way we conducted our interviews. We put this team together very intentionally and we wanted it to be uncomfortable for all of us. And now we hired a writer to come out. She's far left and, and talking with her and hiring her. I was like, I, I want this to change your life. And I want this to challenge your views like it's challenged mine. And I've grown immensely in my understanding of politics and the way people think for the left and right as a result of projects. And I want it to do the same for you. Are you willing? Are you open to being you know, proven wrong? Uh, on, on things and she's like yeah so she's now writing uh, she's a screenplay writer and she's helping write this write the story so and it's in production now
0: well tell me about this the night that danielson was murdered when you were out there like what did you witness i mean
1: it's, it's no different hear? than any other night i mean i mean i've watched you well, know I pretty I, different I, <laughs> and not not really because and i and i say this not to take anything away from that one event but every night i mean like, I watched a, a woman, she was an innocent woman walking to her car, and the, the group of the young, violent ones, you know, stabbed her in the eye with a fucking pencil, you know? And, oh, and, my and, God. And, you stabbed know, I watched this guy stand there, a and a he pencil? started... Yeah, you know, we had to rush to her aid, and, and you know, I watched people get st- like, didn't watch them, get they got stabbed, and that? the only time... Yeah, yeah.
0: Were you yeah. scared for... I mean, so, uh, you, you had your own safety precautions... But you were watching this out, and so you guys would rush and, like, help these people. And you were seeing this – so you were already we, traumatized because we you were seeing this night after night I, after – you probably weren't surprised when somebody was killed.
1: It was really fucked up how much – I don't want to say, like, PTSD, but, like, how much this has affected me in my life, right? Like, I get really emotional when I watch footage or we doing some editing. So now I don't have a day-to-day job anymore with it as, as my role as a producer – the, the, the logistics and the funding and the insurances and being down there and the storytelling is over. Now it's just in production. Um, but, I you know, I meet with the the director still and we're looking at some clips the other day. I was just bawling, you know, just like I'm getting emotional now. like I was just bawling, not just because of the violence, but because of the, the energy behind the violence is so disgusting. You know, just that, that sort of wildly indiscriminate hatred, just dark darkness. Um, hate at all costs. Hate for no reason at all. Hate doesn't matter who you are, what you are. Viewing your opponent as less than human. If I view you as less than human because you're morally wrong, then I can fucking stab you. I could dox you. I could get you fired. I could go after your children.
0: Oh, and they will, and they do.
1: And they did, right? And so I spent, when I wasn't downtown, there were nights I would sit in front of police officers' homes because they were getting death threats. They were going to lock their fucking kids inside and burn the house down where they're at the Riots. I was standing there one night, and the cops, the rioters, had pictures of their family in front of their faces. that "If you don't lay down your shield right now and go home, we're gonna fucking rape your kids." I mean, <laughs> fucked, right? So, and and they're like, you know, you either leave now, or your family's gonna die. And it, it's just nasty. It's na- I don't I don't have any other word for it. So, so anyway,
0: these kids. Here's what I'm trying to understand my perspective is it's like the sopranos these kids run portland they run it uh they can do whatever they want whenever they want to no there's no with impunity i mean sometimes they get picked up but they they're released pretty quickly after and um you know they found the guy who shot danielson and he ended up being shot by the police and that that ended grimly but generally you know most of these people they don't even get picked up they just they just show up the next night and keep doing the same shit they love to say things like, we don't hurt people. It's not violence, it's vandalism. What you're describing to me, what you saw with your eyes, what is going to come out on this video and what we have seen on video from mainstream media outlets, most of whom were sympathetic to Antifa. What we have seen is it wasn't just just quote unquote, I mean, we can get into that. They destroyed a lot of people's lives, a lot of people's business, people could never get insurance again, their livelihood, what they used to support their family was gone, including black businesses, small black owned businesses, gone, ruined. But they engaged in unconscionable person to person violence, murdering people, stabbing somebody in the eye with a pencil, This kind of stuff. So when you're talking to these people and you're trying to understand, you're doing this with an open, curious mind. What What do you come away with? What do these people do? They What do they want? Are they sane? Are they psychopaths? Are they nice kids alone by themselves? But when they get into a group, it's like Lord of the Flies. I mean, what is happening? Try to help me make some sense of what's going on here.
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't. So when I was at these events, when I would go, I was there as the observer. 'Cause we're we didn't want to mess with things. We didn't wa- we weren't trying to make people do things or not do things, because that's what was going on in the news. That was what's going on with these different movements in these different groups. You know, I started understanding how they would dress up as each other and they'd do sabotage each other. They'd frame each other for doing stuff and it was, you know, Antifa was dressing up dressing up as as Blue Lives Matter and causing havoc and Blue Lives Matter was dressing up as Antifa and doing stupid shit. Like it was it was like Dungeons and Dragons. It was the most immature, ridiculous examples of the lowest forms of intellect and humanity and and care that i've ever seen i i, I hope i never see it again um but we're still but seeing it so, right We so, are. Still well seeing yes it. but when i was there the only time i ever intervened was when somebody's life was actually at risk so like one time in washington dc i had to jump in because they were kicking this guy in the head as he was already down Right. So you know, I had to jump in and, you know, and then I get hit with bats that night too, you know, but that you was the only time I'd actually intervene. Too? Oh, sure. Yeah. So did your seals jump in? No, then I didn't have, that was only the first couple of weeks. I only had them Holy Then the rest shit, of the time. was us. So yeah, but it was needed. I had to, I had to do this. We have to understand the support I had, you know, from my family that to, to, you know, understand why I was like, you know, why I'd kiss my kids, you know, on the kind of being emotional. But, you know, my family, my friends were like, why would you go do this, man? Why would you kiss your kids on the head and then go and come home at four in the morning with bruises and smelling like tear gas and like, what the fuck, you know? And it it wasn't because I had a interest in death or it wasn't because I thought I was invincible or it wasn't because I was in for the adrenaline rush, but I needed to understand what was happening, not just to my town, but with people. You know, we were dealing with the pandemic, we were dealing with all these things, and and I just I knew that I couldn't be a leader in my community or I couldn't be a great father if I didn't fucking understand it for myself. So it just started as a as a result of being curious. The reason I'm getting emotional is just because of the I can't I can't answer your question. You can't reconcile that sort of hatred and violence. It doesn't make sense. It isn't justifiable, right? Even even if you really felt like every black man was ever going to get shot that was ever pulled over by every single police officer, even if that was your belief. I don't know how then you'd still go and stab at some people in the eyes and, and lock, you know, they'd chain the doors at the, at the precinct, I with the cops inside and try to light Is the building on fire. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, why, all these, all these things. And I was there for all these things. And yeah,
0: that's attempted murder.
1: Absolutely. But you would hear, so I would be there listening to what they would say to justify it. And it was the most wildly absurd. Me, what
0: are they What, 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 what were their justifications? I'm dying to hear this.
1: Well, first of all, I mean, and I'm talking about the extreme, right? you also got to say that I did hear no, some things. These, these but are
0: the left wing about the, extremes. These, these, yeah. the people who would, yes, we should be clear. So for those of you who don't live in Portland or, or, you know, or the, the Zoomers from like Bethany Village or something, you don't understand what was really going on down there. Generally, besides what I described that I saw during the day, and I'm sure you saw a lot of that too, Eric, um, sure. besides the frenzy extremism that you would see during the day, that was just, it was an unsafe place sure. to be to an extent.
2: Absolutely. I
0: would argue it's still a very unsafe. I not would argue. Absolutely. My opinion is downtown yeah. Portland and Portland generally, it's in every quadrant of the city now, is an unsafe place to be, period. But at the time that this was going on, I think I just expected the riots to occur at night. Like Nick Kristoff was telling me that they did in the op-ed. And when I was seeing that this stuff was going on in daylight, it was shocking, but it wasn't to the, it was, it was here and there. It was, it wasn't every day that I saw this in broad daylight. It was a few days would go by and I wouldn't see it. Now, on the other hand, once the uh, sunset. And all the crazies came out, and um, everybody woke up from their tents in Lounsdale Park and got their guns and their weapons and whatever. It was game on, and it was full sociopathic nightmare. Sure. Let's barricade the courthouse and set it on fire, where people are processing inmates in the basement. Yep. And, and there was, yeah, it was yelling at student.
1: the cops. Let's say there's cops on the top of the building that were spotters. They would you will jump. Pig, kill yourself, jump over, over, over and over. I mean, it was, yeah, this, it was an absolute kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 It, threats, it, I'm so talk I, to I, you. I'm I come
0: to your house. And so I got it. So yes, to be
1: clear, but, but, but let me say fringe. this So let, I'm going to interrupt here because I want to understand please. that I don't want to villainize the people that were there for the right reasons. I no, didn't engage in these not. things, but, but I saw them get radicalized. Oh, did you, really? I, I watched people because I would follow them. So at the beginning, they'd be like, we'd never do this. We're here, da-da-da-da. We'd never do this. And then later on, I'd see them in full fucking helmets and, wow. and gears and shit, throwing rocks. and So, so I, I watched the radicalization, which became the most scary part. So yeah, so really I didn't mean to interrupt you, but bright that
0: was- line. So I just a, a lot of people believe, including myself until just now, that there was a real bright line between the BLM, Teresa Rayford, Joanne Hardesty speeches mm-hmm. kind of a thing during the day- and i'm not saying that any of them became radicalized but i i i had thought that there was a real bright line between them and reasonable people no. who legitimately were terrified that that the police were going to kill all black people basically like you said and and reasonable people who were upset about george floyd floyd's murder which was completely justifiable and wrong wait, wait, wait. um wait. and and who felt like they needed to fight for racial justice generally which is a a a value i commend and absolutely stand behind that and their right to peacefully protest that and their need to peacefully protest that. And I, th- I think that's great. And it's great. We can do that in this country and we should celebrate it and honor it. Now, my understanding was there was a bright line between those people who were following the Rayfords and the Wall of Moms and Leaf Florida ads and the people who had barricaded and, and set fire to the police station. And you're telling me, actually, there was some bleed over from the group and they would become some of these, not the high profile, reasonable people, um, but, you know, some of these... They were probably young kids, maybe I'm guessing, would become radicalized and end up over at the justice center with the setting setting the fires.
1: Not always young, but yeah, they were definitely bleed over, and the lines started. The longer it went on, the more those lines were blurred. Like with the Wall of Moms, for instance, when it started off it was a pure thing, and then you know, after a few days, I started seeing the the known <laughs> people that knew that were violent put on the Wall of Mom yellow shirt, do the thing, yes. and then take it off and put on their fucking riot gear. Although
0: you know, that and, then, wasn't and then people being radicalized; those were people being sneaky and disingenuous and using Walla Moms' as cover for their criminal behavior, which occurred that, every night starting good. day one, because my criminal defense <laughs> colleagues would just, they didn't disclose any confidential information to me, but they would say, most of my clients are not press people. <laughs> right. <laughs> they have press badges right. on, but they were press people. Right. Or they had a leaf blower, oh. but they don't have kids. They're right. not there to... Yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're not there to protect black people. They're yeah. there to destroy and set fire and, and just commit crimes. And they're no. doing it under cover of protecting the wall of bombs, of protecting black people, of protecting the community against white supremacy. They're doing it. It's, it's, um, it's, it's pro, peaceful protest under the guise of peaceful protest. It's just, re- they're using it as cover for criminal behavior. And it worked brilliantly. 100%. And the media was buying it. It was,
1: was, one of the most, it was it, but even not just that, it was beautiful in the moment. Like the tactical, like it was genius how they how they would <laughs> assign roles and how certain people were the were the known agitators. Some of them were the dressed as the non. They were the spotters. Like there was a, it was a well-oiled military-like yes, sort was. of example and. From from the assignments of the sleeping bags to the shields, so they go up to make the weapons, you know, at the parks and they bring them all down. They'd have the training or they'd have the organized training sessions that and then they'd have the strategy sessions. Like these were these were set times, set meetings, people are given assignments sort of things. And it's fact. That's how it was. So um but I'll tell you that this became kind of the norm in not just Portland, but in the other cities as well. All right. And it was it was disheartening to see it spreading like that. You know, they'd watch the, what would work in one city and there would be people that would go from city to city. I would see the same people, you know, in different cities. Um, so that's just how it was as well, even in Washington, (laughs) DC, um, for, for some of those nights. So it wasn't, it wasn't just an isolated thing. It was an absolute 100% attack on things that were going on in America, what America stood for. I mean, I heard, you know, everybody wanted to de- not just defund police, but fucking remove the police. They, they wanted to tear away the Constitution. They wanted to remove the Bill of Rights. They wanted to not have a government, not have any fucking property taxes. You know, this was indigenous stolen land to them. Right. Nobody should own a home. Right. You know, like, like I mean, not, those are the extreme opinions, but it was very common in the streets. It was thousands of people held that opinion well, with, the America, with the microphone. and get people for America,
0: but it's not extreme for... Antifa black bloc. That's DeRuger kind of uh, platform yeah. issues for them.
1: Yeah, and it's so whatever. I mean, that you know, there there are anarchists in every parts of the globe, and I understand that. And there are there are right sided care, radical anarchists too. Well, Portland happens to be the birthplace of Antifa for the United States, right? Well, so and it's very prevalent it in a here. Really,
0: I mean, this is the place where we almost had an Antifa mayor. That was close.
1: Sure. Yeah, I know. I can't but, think but of a wasn't city born in the country like here. that. Right? But, but Antifa is not an American thing. Antifa was not born here. All right? right? It was born in Italy. Right. So, you know, it is, it is, there's, I guess I should say extremism exists in all parts of the world, oh, both well, left course. and right. And, of and, and course.
0: In fact, and I, there's, I, my, and there's, my understanding of the data is the right wi- right wing extremism is far more of a threat in general to this country than left wing extremism, just because they're more organized, they're tied to the military. Antifa doesn't like people telling them what to do. Um, they're they're right wing extremists are they're older, they're more seasoned. They're uh, they a lot of them are, are more formally educated. They can they can make weapons. They're um, I mean they're can, just can, in a lot of ways I, they're scarier.
1: Can I can I actually challenge that real yeah, quick please, from what I've sure. what I've seen? And this might be biased opinion. I'm, I'm going to admit that. But what I've observed is the left is way more organized and they're way more collective. And just think about it in terms of the right and the left. The right is more autonomous in general. Generally, the the best of the right goes into private business. The best of the left goes into politics or the the service of the collective, Mm -hmm. right? So if you just think about it from the standard premise of the, the right and left and how they operate, the left is actually way more organized. Than, than the right are. So you will see smaller cells of right extremism, I think, but they're much smaller. They're not as well organized. They don't communicate with each other as well. They don't even collaborate as well as what I've observed. So I don't know. I'm not going to say one is more of a threat or the other, but no, I don't, I don't think that they're more organized or more communicative than the left is. I have not seen that personally.
0: Generally, <laughs> around 70% of domestic terror attacks are from um, right-wing extremists. And that the left wing comprises a much smaller group of terror attacks. But to me, I I mean, I live in this myopic hermetic bubble of Portland, Oregon. White in Portland, right wing extremism is not our problem. I mean, those people self-select. They don't live here. They're certainly not living in a condo downtown. That is not our (laughs) issue are are, there. It's almost a phantom. And the Proud Boys and Patriot Prayer, as dim-witted and wackadoo as they are and and violent as they are, they come to town like three times a year. And they do it because Antifa baits them on over and they can't wait for them to get there so that they can Mm -hmm. engage in this hand-to-hand combat garbage with them. And then Antifa can go, oh, look, Portland, we're saving you from the white supremacists. I mean, it, it plays right into Antifa hands. But otherwise, they don't live here. I mean, they have to come into town. They have to come to Antifa's turf. This is Antifa's turf. So it was just interesting for me to hear this data about nationally what's going on because I'm in this little hermetic bubble where Antifa controls everything. That's my our issue here is a man getting shot during um, what's supposed to be a bunch of peaceful protests about a just cause for racial uh, justice and civil rights. And, so, and a man gets shot. And then there's violence every single night, like pencils being put in people's eyes an attempted murder going on. We're going to barricade the, the Justice Center. And we're going to set fire to it. We're going to set fire to Mayor Wheeler's condo. I talked to a family who lived in that condo who had a, a fi- commercial firework munition come through their window. They had two little kids, including a baby. I mean, th- and we tolerate it. It's tolerated. It's allowed so, I mean, I know there's an arrest every once in a while, but generally they're right back back out on the streets. And Mike Schmidt is not looking to put away Antifa. That is not he's on
1: his agenda. Bad. He's not a DA. He's a, he's a political weapon. When I when I start to talk like this, I back myself off because I I don't want to contribute to the noise of of judgments and accusations and whatnot that i but when i talk about mike smith i can just look at the data so i can talk about the data and talk about the about the number of arrests versus the number of indictments versus the number of cases tried versus the number of you know people put in jail
0: you talk about the data i mean you can look at the data you can literally look at the number of times patriot prayers come here you can look at the amount of violence that's incurred in portland and you can separate it into the right and the left and the left has a bigger margin Right. You I know. mean, isn't that just a fact?
1: Uh, and and it is a fact, and that's why I just want to make sure I'm being very clear about that. That I I really only want to put my conversation and my energy behind things that are actual facts, or I'll, or describe something that I personally witnessed. No, totally
0: agree. But 100% agree. Um, I, I guess I should clarify. Just, Do you think I said anything that you feel is? Um, I mean, these are things that I I. Because I feel like I'm a data driven person, these are things that I feel like I have data to support. But do you f- have you heard anything that you feel like oh, I don't really think that that's a- accurate?
1: No, not at all. But I'll even go further. Like you know, because I've had the benefit of literally sitting with, like I said, the Proud Boys or the Three Percenters, and then listening to them. And then I've sat there and listened to NTFM, Black Lives Matter. But like I've just heard the conversations, right? Not not to not to film or not to like manipulate or, or get involved with or anything, but just I just had the benefit of listening to them. And the way they talk about things is so wildly, wildly different. And the amount of violence that's discussed and talked about is so wildly different. And the reason, uh, their perceived reason for why they exist is so wildly different. One, the right is basically for a preservation, right? You think conservative, right? Is more like conserve what we have, status quo sort of thing. And the other side is, no, we got to tear it all down. So just if you just save just the premise of the, their existence, you can understand the the energy behind their activities, right? Maintaining something has a different existence and energy than tearing it the fuck down just in general. So if you just think about it from that that one basic foundational standpoint, then just see it expressed in every way, then you, you're justified in what you saw. You're justified in what you witnessed, right? And what, what you're seeing in Portland. It's a tear down, and that's violent. Right? you have a young family
0: are you you're coming out with this documentary everybody knows who you are you've been doxed, you've been harassed, you've been threatened you've had death threats. Are you nervous that they're gonna set fire to your house?
1: No I don't I, but I'm not making anybody a villain I don't that's the thing like I think we, we're not gonna disagree, talk you don't you but, not, but but I'm not naive about this and I want to be very clear. I'm not naive about it but at the same time I'm not going after anybody. Right. Think, this isn't a veritas hit piece. But, th-
0: but they obviously think that you are, or else they wouldn't be you'll see, you and but, harassing you.
1: But you'll see. But that was but that was before the project. That was with me putting a flag there. That was me doing a peace rally. That was with me trying to stop something. Right? You understand? Like I've actually shown footage to Antifa and BLM and Black Panthers and and head of head of the civil rights movements and Spike Moss and J. A. Salam and 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 Al Sharpton and Re- Re- Reverend Jesse Jackson and like like heads of heads of Antifa, like they've seen this. We've talked about this. We've had discussions. They've seen footage. They agree with what we're doing and what we're showing. Right. So there was no pushback.
0: You're not getting harassed anymore.
1: Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. And that nope.
0: ended when you. Stop. Well, I, I, speeches I get and you just started filming.
1: But, but you get, I mean, I get trolled just for saying, you know, like, Oh, you know, happy 4th of July, or, oh, Joe Biden can't make a full sentence, right? Then I'll get, you know, then, but I don't care. That's not, there's nothing tangible well, that's there. There's nothing different. real.
2: Yeah, that's not like a physical threat
0: to you or your family. What about... Right.
1: No, that, that stopped about a year and a half ago.
0: Right. What
1: about... Um... And the reason why it stopped, just to be clear, mm-hmm. is because I wasn't the villain they were making me out to be. Like when they came to my... Like they had a, they had a team of like 10 black block in the, in the back, like starting to harass people as I started to speak. I gave an opening speech. And I had somebody like watching their their channels, their communication channels, and one of them tweeted into their, one of the rooms, "Hey, this guy's actually not that bad to listen to." Mm-hmm. And they stood down because I wasn't the guy that they were making me out to be,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? So that's that's how it is. Like, if I can't be the villain, then yes, a couple of radicals could or whatever. But I'm in a group, like they understand who I am and who I'm not now. Like, it's not I'm not like a, part of what they believe in. I can understand. I've, I've been, I've been handcuffed by a cop that I shouldn't have been. Like, I understand what meant, let me actually break it down to you this way. I, what makes my skin crawl is when anybody abuses their power, especially a man in a position of authority with a title in a a building, an office building, a police officer over a child, a, a school teacher over a dog, over their wife or their spouse. It fucking makes my skin fucking crawl. Right. So I understand the reason why you'd want to stop all police brutality, any innocent black, white, or anybody being shot by any reason. But, but like, but I, I get the, I get that like visceral, like reaction to it. Like it, it, it physically affects me if I really do think about it. So I want to honor that. But at the same time, it needs to be channeled in a way that actually fucking stops it. And you can't become the devil you're fighting.
0: no,
1: or worse right? and no. so they're bec- or or worse and so when you become the devil you, you pretend to fight is when you become a devil that needs to be fought <laughs> right and i don't speak or or challenge anybody to make enemies enemies make themselves with me these days and and i just don't i don't go out to make enemies i don't have i don't I just, I just don't work that way and it's not being naive it's just it's a small distinction in difference of existence and conversation um so like that that's why I could Ted go down to the American flag. I think
0: Ted Wheeler's mealy mouthed. I think in a lot of the in a lot of ways he supports them to the extent that he lets them just kind of do what they want and run the town. Uh, why why do they hate him so much? why did they set his condo on fire?
1: Be- because you can't appease them. Okay. He's a wildly intellectual human being with very little common sense Agreed. and very little awareness. Hard to agree. Right. So he's in a bad spot because he has a city council <laughs> that he has. And, and he pretends to be, you know, in this city that of course, you know, he's in the mayor's in charge of the police. I mean, come on. So it's a, it's a terrible setup. It's a terrible structure. The way we, the way we have it here in Portland and in Oregon where the governor points ahead of education. And it's a, it's a bad fundamental structure. And, He's he cannot win no matter what he does. So I actually am glad he won the second time because our options weren't any better, which is tragic because I do not like Ted Wheeler as as a mayor and um, I think see that's a problem. Do you see what I mean? That's why
0: Hardesty hates him and Antifa hates him.
1: (laughs) There you go. Because he is mealy mouth. Because he doesn't stand for anything, and he doesn't allow. Anybody else to really stand, he'll give them a certain tolerance and a certain grace until it goes too far. Then he acts all fucking tough and it's not, it's, it's a facade. So you can't lead that way. You know, that, that providing an environment, that's a toxic environment where he has fake boundaries and, and, and words with no meaning.
0: Okay. Tell me about this. So I, the days are just like flying by this week, Monday. I interviewed journalist Nancy Rommelman who's done pieces for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and Newsweek and Reason Magazine and a lot of it, she did a lot of Portland reporting on the riots and her most okay. clicked piece on Reason Magazine was called You're Not Allowed to Film and she said every time she would film, Antifa would surround her and scream and sometimes knock her camera down or take her phone and scream, you're not allowed to film, you're not allowed to film. And she was sort of like digging into why that was and why a lot of mainstream media was honoring that, not filming. And she, her thing was kind of like, you're doing this in public. Like I'm gonna film what you're doing because I want the world to know what you're doing. Um, and obviously their thing is we don't want the world to know what we're doing. And they would, she told me, and this made sense to me based on the footage I saw, her analysis was Antifa would film after they'd antagonize somebody, right? So they would Mm -hmm. get together and for five hours, they'd lob commercial munitions at the courthouse or they'd barricade the justice center and set fire to it, or they'd, um, bait the Proud Boys in and they wouldn't film any of that. But once the Proud Boys rolled in... And once the police started doing the tear gas and once, um, you know, somebody would, they wouldn't film the guy getting into the cop's face and spitting on him and say, I'm going to rape your kids, but they'd film the cop, you know, menacing the guy back, right? So um, they would bait people or create these situations that were then fabulous content for the message that they were trying to get across. And so her point was like, I'm going to film everything because everybody needs to see this context and they need to understand why they're only getting one side from you in the mainstream media of like cops menacing you every night. And I know that's not what's going on. It's too simplistic. And so that's when she like put that together. And anyway, it's like the most click piece for a reason magazine. And she got a lot of accolades for that. But I, I wonder, you know, you're doing this documentary. Did they let you film them?
1: I filmed all over every night. But you see the difference between the way I approached them and the way she did. She said, like, you hear how aggressive or or defiant well, her response Well, maybe I did was. that
0: wrong, because Nancy's actually not an aggressive person. She's super upbeat, and she's friends with a lot of these people. Like, a little black, yep. black girl helped her rinse her eyes out when she got tear gas. So I'm probably doing it wrong. But the point is, Nancy did film them, and maybe she did it in the way that you did it. So why don't you tell me about how you... My guess is they were initially very upset when you tried to film them, right? They don't want their faces, for one thing, they don't want to be docked. So they want the police to see their face or their body or anything or what they're doing. So tell me how you were able to do it.
1: It, it was really easy, actually, after the first couple of weeks, once I kind of figured it all out and and how the mood was going to go and where the mood was going to go. And the thing is, though, that with my project, if I can get a message across And I could do it, and I have a choice of two different ways. I can do it one way where I'm showing a woman's face, making a Molotov cocktail, and then lighting at the police. Or I could show it, or I could prove the same point, but not have her face be on movie screen. I'm going to choose that.
2: Hmm.
1: Okay? And the reason why I'm going to choose that is because I'm not there to also ruin anybody's lives. I'm there for people to listen and hear and understand and be educated and to maybe discover something that they didn't discover if they hadn't watched the film. Right. And if I can do that without ruining somebody's life ten years from now, I'm going to choose that.
0: Interesting, you're right. She and did not it just me, she would film their face. So you're right. Yeah, that's different.
1: And so that's the that, 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 so is that's that kind of what, of what the mainstream
0: media was doing. So they so they wouldn't have been mad at you for that.
1: No, but they say, "Hey, don't film me here," and I would say, "I've been filming films. here." 13, yeah. Thirteen? No, I would oh, say okay. I've been filming here thirteen nights in a row, and I've, I've been I've been here sixty nights in a row. I've been here fifty news days in a row. I was also in Kenosha. Um, we've been filming every night. Is that okay if I just keep filming if I'm if I'm careful about what I'm filming? I yes, see. that's okay. And it, you see what I mean. So it was. It wasn't it a, like. I have the right. you like, public- Did you
0: ever go undercover and just throw on a black hoodie and be like, "Comrade, I'm on your side." I'm like, let's film this. Well, I'm not going to dox you.
1: I didn't lie. We always had. I mean, I was in all, almost all black almost every night, just because that's if you yeah, wore you anything go else, you stood without out. Without
0: lying, that's true. You don't have to say yeah. it on your side. You could just say, "Dude, I'm not nope. gonna. I'm not gonna ruin. It. I'm not here to ruin anybody's life. I'm just filming."
1: Yeah, exactly. And and it was that kind of spirit. Like I just, they just knew it. They could just feel it. Like you just, and I hate to kind of go back to just, but it really is like your tone of voice, your body position, no, your stance.
0: Sure. No, and you're it's, it's you're a, doing your sales. While you're
1: doing that, absolutely. You're but I wasn't there to lie to anybody. That
0: you
1: know, I-, I wasn't there to lie to anybody, and I wasn't there to make anybody. Yes, like me as an individual, as a person, I would have loved to fucking like make like physically get involved in a few nights and physically make somebody change their mind and like debate. Yes, absolutely. But that's my damn ego talking. That's you not me as change a, like these a-
0: minds, not
1: these people. Nope. 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 That, so why, so why would I do the that? Piece you
0: can buy yourself.
1: And if I'm getting real deep because we've been deep this whole time, I also wanted to be an example for my kids. Oh, yeah. No, if, for you, sure. if you want to have real influence, then you got to be smart about it. And, and influence comes with using logic and reason, not all emotion. <laughs> so I had to take my emotion out of it in order to do anything that was influential.
0: Well, tell me about the book is the
1: book based on the riots too or tell me about that no and yeah I, well, holy god we've been talking about so no the book the book is more about some of those lessons but it's not it's not about the riots at all it's, it's like about taking lessons. those things and then, and then applying those the spirit of the book is if i had essentially my last 24 hours, i was given the gift of knowing that i had a full another day to kind of collect and curate everything i wanted to pass on to my kids what would it be that's beautiful. Everything about anything about love or relationships or money or business or, you know, personal development or fitness or natu- like anything. If I was just given this gift, so it's not, a, it's not from a, a scarcity place. It's like, oh my gosh, there's a wonderful opportunity. I have to curate these things and pass them on. That's the spirit that I'm having these conversations and writing underneath. And
0: when is that coming out? So, or is it already out?
1: I hope to have it this year. No, I'm writing now. And so some of the stuff you'll see I do on TikTok are just little teeny blurbs yeah, they are kind of like I've little things I'm trying to write. Yeah, they're, they're
0: really so. it's they're beautiful messages. And then when do you have a title? Do you have a or is that we don't know yet?
1: I have a few different titles. It's funny because I spent three hours last night. Same thing with a podcast. I'm launching a podcast and I've had some amazing interviews already. But my my podcast is more of a production. So instead of just producing the um, conversations, I'll produce a, a written piece that will include the conversations essentially being a chapter of one of my books or or the book. And so that's the podcast. So I've, I've had some amazing guests so far, but nothing's produced and released yet. Um, the only thing I've really released was my interviews I did with some of the gubernatorial candidates. Um, Oh,
0: great. Which ones?
1: So I, it was Christine DeRaison, Bridget Barton, and Brandon Merritt. And
0: then, so is it, when you do the podcast, is it going to be the same, um, is, since you're incorporating things into the book, is it along the same lines, like life lessons?
1: It, yeah, the podcast will be all about that. So I want to focus on really the things that actually matter. Like, like to me, love matters. To me, relationship matters. To me, self-awareness matters. To me, understanding what money does and doesn't do matters. Um, you know, relationships, both being intimate and non-intimate relationships, those matter under uncovering resiliency understanding why there's a fit person and a fat person why there's a poor person and a rich person why why do people do what they do is really the spirit of the podcast
0: i think that's really beautiful
1: Thank
0: and you. then um you have a song
1: i do some writing now um yeah i so i produced a song because when it was all real dark and heavy and the world felt so ugly. I wanted to write an old school like R and B like love song, like a Can like you something play that somebody played. Are you allowed to play any of it? Yeah, it's like that song is actually. I, I saw it just got like fifty thousand downloads or something like that on on Spotify and Apple Music. Oh my God. And, it's on and Apple. It's on, it's on Apple and Spotify. It's even on TikTok now. A bunch of people have used it as their music on TikTok and stuff. It's called it's called One Step Closer by it, EPTC. It, do I have
0: your permission to put a little bit on Please. this episode?
1: Sure, please do, yeah. Oh, that would be – is it it's, under
0: Eric Post? Is that where I find it?
1: EP, EPTC is the name of so Eric Post and Tyler Conti. I wrote I wrote the music, and then he sang it, and then we co-produced it together.
0: Okay, well, and then so. if I were going to – if you wanted – if I could pick any song to play some of so our listeners can hear um, your music, what what do you think I should play?
1: Yeah, play that just because it's like – it. it's an old-school R&B, like, just love song and i really yeah one i can send you a link too but okay and i've written six other songs that i'm working on getting produced um for for, but different genres one's a country song one's a hip-hop song a rap song rock and roll songs
0: too i see a guitar in the back
1: a a little bit i play i play a little bit i can't sing i sound like a wounded coyote if i try to sing but i play a little bit drums and i can play a little guitar is that who sings on your Tyler is yeah, he's he's sang that one, the one step closer, oh, and, and then there's a couple it. people. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's wonderful! Yep. And you produced it, and you do what the music?
1: Yeah. So he, so I'll, I'll co-produce it, and I'll write the lyrics, and then we we come up with a melody together, and and whatnot. He's a talent man. He's he's a super talented guy. But there's some other people I'm I'm starting to work with too. Like there's a there's a, I want to write an EDM song, like a house music song. So the guy is connected through a TikTok and, and we're gonna collaborate on on one of those. Just I really wanna explore different genres because I think that's all different sorts of ways to communicate with people.
0: And then um what what can we plug I mean, we've plugged a lot, but what else can we plug for you that we haven't mentioned yet? Oh
1: no, nothing. No, nothing. No I don't like no, nothing at all. I, I was it was fun to kind of walk down memory lane a little bit and the work stuff, but I don't no, nothing. You know, you can you can look me up on, on TikTok if you want, connect there or I got my website, Eric Post online. You can send me a message if you want. And then um,
0: tell us um, what your TikTok handle is.
1: All American Dad. De- my, my daughter set it up for me. She, she named it. She picked my profile photo, everything. And That's she's cute. like, I'll call you All American Dad.
0: That's very cute. So,
1: And how old is yeah, your she did. You have one daughter? One daughter and one son. My my son's 15 and, and my daughter is 16.
0: 15 and 16. Wow. Yeah, you're busy. Mm-hmm. And so we can find you on TikTok. We can find you on what? EricPostConsulting.com? com. Um,
1: Eric post online.com. Eric
0: post online.com. Okay. And people can email you there if they want to reach out to you or they can send you a message on TikTok. Um, yeah. and look for the documentary that is coming out, um, revelations in tear gas. And then Eric is going to be coming out with a book pretty soon. And, um, let us know what it's called so we can promote it.
1: I do have a couple of working t- I'm looking at my list right now, but nothing's.
0: Yeah. When you come up with something, stick. let's get in touch. And, um, Let's, uh, after that comes out and after your doc comes out, I'd love to talk to you
2: again.
1: Well, you've been a joy to to connect with and we've never met before, but thank you for having me on and, um, letting me share just raw a few things and hopefully, um, hopefully it was a good value to your listeners as well. It's been really
0: moving and inspiring for me. So I really appreciate you taking, I mean, you took a lot of time for me and I really, really appreciate it. I love these long form conversations because I feel like. I've never done
1: one this long before. Well, it was yeah. very
0: kind of you to do. It's what my, one of my favorite things because I feel like that way people can really get to know you and connect with you in a way that they wouldn't be able to do in like a, you know, a 30-minute blurb. So um, it's just really seeing mean, you, you and your I, humanity and your values.
1: And it's, it, I've wanted to do all these projects and especially with the documentary instead of going into public office and serving in politics because I thought if I created a narrative, I thought that was more influential than going and getting caught up in the ugliness of, bureaucracy so i do work on some political campaigns in the back you know like helping them create their story and you know narrative and i'll show up to some fundraiser things and give a speech or answer questions about things because i do i think politics are broken i think partisan politics are gross everybody's just speaking the language of their side and galvanizing the side and not understanding really what influence is and messaging is and we have only had one-party politics in Portland and Oregon, and that's part of the reason why it's so toxic. You don't, if you don't have balance, every every party seeks to have control, and I think that's just toxic. That's not wise. That's not that's not long-term vision. We've had only nearly now seventy years of one party in Portland, and over 40, 44 years, and I think it is in, in the state of Oregon. So, you know that 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 isn't healthy. You know, you need balance, and I think that the most beautiful governance comes from those. Competing ideas and the friction of the left and the right and if there's no accountability Then you're gonna see chaos if you go too far to the left you get chaos if You go too far to the right you get tyranny and we're seeing chaos and that's just we've gone too far to one side So well, and
0: that's how you get the I think that's how you get the best ideas You really you only get to come up with the best ideas if you can th- If you're and, well, and you're not going to be perfect at thinking of what the counter argument your idea is going to be And the best way to do that is have the smartest person on the other side present that idea
1: even even if it's not the best ideas but you get the most pure representation of your constituents right now you're not and and that happens in a lot of states are too far right or too far left either one you know really what happens right now especially in the in the, the federal government like when a president is elected now it's so partisan that half the comp- half the country loses nobody the country doesn't win any election anymore half the fucking country loses it's now in a presidential divided. election it's too divided it's so, it, it, But the candidates are that way. Yeah, the, the, are. The, the parties are that way. Yeah. Their narratives are that way. Their, their speeches are that way. When do you think that started? Oh. I don't know that answer. Um,
0: well, let's talk about practicalities. I like your idea yeah. of having some kind of nuance or different ideas in, in Oregon politics. But I got to tell you, practically speaking, good luck to you. We live in a city state. I mean, that's why the rest of the state wants to secede.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Two counties really essentially in Portland, you know, people say don't Portland, my Oregon, you know, well,
0: that's been done. That's so it's happened. I mean, that's the, that is a practical reality. So how do you get like one of these candidates that you're working for to sway your typical Portlander?
1: When the run, when the, when you run your game too hard, too long, one way, you get people like you that are fed up with what the violence in Portland, that fed up with businesses shutting down and moving, fed up with rising crime, fed up with a, with increasingly uncompassionate homeless issues. Do you have
0: a sense of how so, many people like me are actually still here? Because most people that I know that are like me have left, and and the there's ones a that lot are that. left are the ones who are, who are like me who've stapled themselves here with with a small business.
1: There's a lot of that too, but also if you do think about the either the moderate or right or the independent or unaffiliated voters, more that are going to be moderate to the right will actually show up if they are sick because they haven't felt like their voice matters in Portland, their vote matters in Portland or in Oregon because it has they've lost every single time. So the the, the percentage of people that voted have been fewer and fewer and fewer. And fewer. It's like why why would I freaking vote for, you know for anything here because it doesn't matter. Now I, I do think more and more people are going to actually show up to vote because um, they are right. just absolutely this is like it's like a hail mary. It's like they're you know they're either gonna have an impact this time, or and if they don't, then they'll leave. It's like a hail mary time. What? And, why
0: is it a hail, hail mary time? What happened that makes now different than like four years ago? Was it twenty twenty? Because it
1: boiled up. It, it boiled up. But yeah, twenty twenty. I think the last since twenty twenty. Yeah, absolutely. Everything everything on the news thing, and then just take a drive through. You know, it, it's like. The, the things that happened that, are, that we're really talking about now have really been an exponential increase in violence, in homelessness, in drug abuse, in mental illness in Portland. This has really exploded exponentially in the last few years. So, Do you have any and data? It, it,
0: and I'm sure you must because you work with these candidates and I'm we are all dying for this data. Everybody who's curious about this city is dying for this data. Do you have any data about how many people in Portland metro you know, the ones who actually, let's face it, de facto decide the elections, which is part of why I haven't changed my voter registration independent, because I want to be able to figure out who the final candidate is, and and Oregon is so goddamn blue, and there's so many people in Portland that the reality is the primaries really decide who the final result is, so I want to be able to vote in the primaries, and I haven't changed that, but I, do you have any sense of how many people there are who would say vote for one of these candidates that you're working for, because it's hard to know what that data is because the loudest voices in the room are, you know, it's hard to see Dan Ryan Kotech. And I I can't see past that, but maybe you have data and you can.
1: I have some data, data, data. I'd say both ways. It's funny. Yeah, Um, it is both ways. Yeah. I, 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 I have seen that. Not just that, but I've actually sat with some of the biggest political strategists that have ever worked on campaigns, have come to Portland and to Oregon now, national-wide, I'm talking on the Republican side, actually are here working, because I actually see statistically the only opportunity that they've actually really had of, of either flipping seats or taking a governor that they've right. ever had in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and so, what's the and that percentage has come... on that?
0: What, 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 to what extent are things changing? Like, let's say, my. I mean, my guess is Previously, it would have been in high 80s, 90s, uh, far, f- practically extremist, uh, left-wing candidates could, could get in. I mean, Sarah Yannero, she didn't cut it, but close enough. You know, your hard, you got your hardesties. You got your Kate Browns. You got your, I mean, you know.
1: I like are, Renee you know, Gonzalez. Is a,
0: Renee is very low on the a, road. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm interested in his chances. Uh, I'm a big Renee supporter, and that's who we're endorsing um, here Me at Rational too. in Portland is, is Renee, and he's an f- absolutely fantastic guy. Who was a lawyer at Stoll Reeves for a while, and he's just fabulous. Yeah, and I'm um, very smart and a family man, and and he's he's diverse. I mean, he checks that identity box that's so important to, to a lot of people, and I think diversity is important, so he definitely checks that box. But I guess my question is, if if I I mean I think in years past it would have been 80s, 90 percent. Um, yeah, Hardesty's is going to come sliding through. The Chloe Udallies, whatever. Fortunately, she wasn't reelected. That kind of shows that that we've we've got a tide turning. Renee is polling very well, which tells me that mm-hmm. maybe a tide is turning. So is that kind of the same kind of data that you're seeing that, um,
1: like, it, like 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 the Renee polls. Yeah, the Renee polls and and I think he's got a good team. I like his message. I've met with him and his campaign manager and donated to him and, you know, as a lot of people deal with. And, and, but I'm, I'm mostly focused on the governor race. And the reason why I am is because that's really the only impact we're going to have on the education system that here that's failing our kids. And I'm just disheartened by what's happening in the public education system, both statistically and emotionally that we've gone through for the last few years so the governor race is the only way that you can actually impact that and then two the 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 third party race we have a three-party race as a governor race right you know the the, the first time that the independent is really gonna have any impact on voting Mm -hmm. that's right so this actually plays well into the Republican side because of where Betsy generally pulls from right so she by by all strategists' accountability, she actually gives a massive boost to Republican candidates.
0: Why? Because she takes votes. votes away from Tina.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely. my big I'm a Betsy supporter. And that's really my biggest fear. My biggest fear is that she will is that there will be a split.
1: Um, yep. So. so so the so the numbers that I, I don't have these numbers in front of me, but instead of being like a forty-seven percent, you know, vote to win or 46 or something like it, down to like a 41 or 40 or something like that because of the impact of the independent candidate. I think
0: Tina's hoping it goes the other way, of course. Like, Tina's people, my understanding it doesn't is, work that way. Uh, maybe. But Tina, my understanding is Tina's people are saying, well, but but Betsy also polls Democrat. You know, she was a Democrat from Scapoose for a very long time. She did vote to support the corporate activity tax. She's done some things that make left-wing people happy. So That's she's not just going to draw from. Um, she'll draw from both. She could split the vote either way, though, couldn't she? Like even if a Republican had a great chance, couldn't she also split the because vote? Because of what from she just said. Of her timber interests.
1: The thing about what she just said, she voted for the, She does a lot of things that make the left happy, so she's going to pull more votes. But she's from the an left.
0: equal opportunity to piss her off.er What about all of her timber interests, her big business interests? I mean, she is in bed with every timber. Co- I've said that poorly, but she's an ally <laughs> to every timber company in this, And I love her, so I don't want to characterize her, but she's, yeah. she is an equal opportunity to piss her off her. Those are her words. And, and she is an ally to every timber company in this state. Uh, Hampton Tree Farms, all those guys, that billion dollar thing that's up, tied up in the court of appeals. She's, she is backing all those timber companies. I mean, she's, the left hates that. She wants to resurrect the statue of Abraham Lincoln. You know, the left wing extremists hate that um, she wants. But to, they were
1: they were going to vote for a Democrat. So the left wing extremists well, will vote, vote for, for Tina,
0: right? Exactly. But
1: exactly. Don't you think Betsy
0: could split the vote both ways. I mean, don't you think I Betsy don't... could also split the vote? I, I, there aren't. Yes. In the state of Oregon, there are a lot of true mega type Republicans. For sure, there are, especially as you keep going east and as you keep going south. But in Portland, who, let's face it, Portland decides who the governor is. They do. And Mm -hmm. in Portland, Mm -hmm. um, the Republicans that live here, they're not, some of them are mega people, but most of them are Mitt Romney style or Lincoln Republicans. I mean, they are. Totally. And they're going to, I think, you know, they're, I don't know, I know they're not going to vote for Tina, but I don't know that they're going to vote for a Republican candidate. And the ones from the Federalist Society, that I've talked to are pro Betsy, so I think if I were working for a Republican candidate, I'd also be concerned that she's going to take away my my conservatives.
1: They they they're they're not going to take away. So here's my opinion. This is this is just opinions, you know. I mean, oh, this is course. just opinions. Yes, just he does,
0: and we're just speculating. We're
1: just bullshitting, but I'm disagreeing. She is an equal pisser offer. I kind of like that phrase. I think that's pretty fun that's and, and is, has yeah, some I to like it. Too. Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like it, but I'm not I think that it just sounds good. I don't I actually don't think it actually plays out really? the way I've seen the numbers and the way I've seen the polling and the way I've actually seen this the, the positioning of the stance. Now that said, there's not a Republican candidate that does a great job that speaks to the independent moderate, independent and uh, unaffiliated voters yet. Um, well or the not. Romney
0: style Republicans. Or the or the there's, Schwarzenegger style Republicans or the Lincoln Project style Republicans.
1: Most that's of them live probably in Christine, That's probably Christine Drazen, you know, probably fits that bill the most or speaks that language the best. Um, and she's got the most interaction with Tina, having worked with her at the state capitol, you know, for years and years. Um, she's, she's the only one that has actually done anything on the statewide, you know. She does piss off some hardcore conservatives because she took money from Pfizer for her, for her campaign. She's done a few things, voting in terms of like what she did to restrict the police, some things like that, the bill that she voted—I think was that one hundred one or one hundred three or whatever it was. So okay, you know what I mean, like. And I'm getting it wrong, but she, but, but she mm-hmm. probably has the best. So, so think of it this way. Like, here's how I think of it: a lot of people don't read the fucking voters' pamphlet. No, nope. a lot of people don't understand who's tied to the timber industry, who's not. Nope. A lot of people just simply hear a name that they're most familiar yeah. with, or they watch one debate, That's and they like, I like that person. <laughs> okay I am I am too, but she is the o- she does have a, a high recognition like a, a visceral name she with does. people that like so that both hate her and like her. So that one's that one's the given, but I just genuinely think that you're giving the voters too much credit to knowing about the timber <laughs> stuff. And if any of the right side give her a good job of saying, hey, she's been a 25 year Democrat she's just she's just faking as an independent that that might stick with a lot of people
0: huh? So, well, um, Eric, this has been great. I, I just love getting to know you and this has been such a delightful and lovely conversation to have with you. And I appreciate you, um, going deep with me here and, um, I hope you come back cause I'd like to plug your book in the, the uh, documentary.
1: Well, I, I, you know, anybody that has any interest of having real conversations, I'm all for, and you know, having lived here my whole life, I don't live I don't live in the city of Portland, but I'm fifteen minutes away and um, it's not good to see it. Um, I don't care what your political affiliation is, it's not good to see people on the streets. It's not good people to see innocent people getting, you know, being victims of violent crime. I don't care what this isn't partisan to me. So that's why I really have tried to stay away from politics per se. I have very specific opinions about things, but it's because I live in that cause and effect world and I can't help but to ignore that what we've been doing is causing what we're seeing. So if we do want a different effect, we better fucking pick a different cause. It's that it, it, it has to be that fucking simple. is isn't this people don't repeat history doesn't repeat itself. People do. And we're just so simple to figure out that we have to look at and take accountability for what's happening. We can't start blaming things that are this fictitious villain. We have to know this policy created that the lack of, Uh, supporting police caused this it's 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 pretty evident right so you take emotion out of it but anyways you're you're a gem and i really appreciate you and honored that you thought to talk to me so i'll do it again
0: great thanks eric i hope you have a good rest of your day so that's the conclusion of my interview with eric post here on rational in portland if you did not hear part one of the interview with eric post go back to the show and download listen to it because that's where we get into his origin stories you can find him at all american dad 111 on twitter and we're going to fade out with his song one step closer this is EPTC eric post and tyler conti thanks for joining us again on rational in portland and we'll see you next time
2: always told myself that i would always feel that way And until you let me pull you in I thought my mind was made But then this song in my head It began to play And it said, Just then be love you Just then behold you just let this be one step closer to forever yeah. Oh, just let me feel you Until I heal you Oh, let this be one step closer to forever May this song fall down this road alone my heart was grown I was searching I was yearning I was wanting a love and it's only for the bones oh, Then I spun you around like all the love songs ever played now I, I can say just let me love you just let me hold to